Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Kelly Starrett. And I'm Juliette Starrett. And you're listening to the Ready State Podcast. You got it! You better stop it! You got this episode of the Ready State Podcast is brought to you by Momentous Collagen Peptides. So Juliet and I just got off a very long, I don't know, what's the word, gnarly, sporty rowing trip uh, on the Green remote, River? Remote, remote. It was very remote. We ended up rowing a lot of flower. Water was low, winds were high. We had 90 miles to cover. And it's like- 95 if, miles. If you've ever done like a rowing machine and put the damper at 20, even though it goes only to 10, that's what it feels like. Also, the slide doesn't work. So we did a ton of <laughs> no getting slide. up and down. This is something that actually happens a lot to people when they go on vacation for adventure is they end up overdoing it. They're middle-aged, like you, not me. And all Thanks. of a sudden, they go hard in the paint, and they end up with these little niggly things, these little kind of hot spots. And guess what? We try to combat that by staying on the collagen. So the one supplement we took that was a food supplement, we've been on our whole vacation, collagen. Other thing I want to say about collagen specifically and why we use it, it's the one supplement I recommend to every athlete we work with. We have a young superstar athlete with us, I'm like, how much collagen do you take? <laughs> because I look at this as a food, and it's difficult for you and I, to be honest, to eat enough chicken skin, enough meat on the bone, enough offal. We just don't do it. We, I mean, how many gallons of bone broth did you consume today? I mean, unfortunately, none, but I did have collagen. So look, I think this is one of those things, good for the gut, good for the gander. Can you say that? I, mean, is I that, think you can. You yeah, can. I think you can say that. But the idea here is, man, I think that this is a inexpensive, safe Momentus is NSF certified, it's third party certified, has clinically studied collagen peptides in there. This stuff works. Get it in your body today. It is literally the one supplement we bring on vacation if we have no other space for anything else. If you want to get some, go to the readystate.com slash momentus and use code TRS for 20% off your first purchase. This episode of the Ready State is brought to you by Virtual Mobility Coach. This may sound crazy, but last year, I kind of tried to clone my husband. Awesome. Only kind of, though. You see, Kelly gets dozens of requests every day for help. And even though he wants to give everyone his personal attention, there just aren't enough hours in the day. So I typed in how to clone a human being into Google. Just kidding. But in seriousness, what we did do was create our virtual mobility coach platform. It's like having a virtual Kelly star ad in your pocket. Which obviously everyone needs. I mean, that's right. I personally create over 600 mobility protocols for the virtual mobility coach. So the platform can help you with almost any movement problem imaginable. For example, let's say you're in pain. The VMC will show you a diagram of the human body. All you have to do is click where it hurts. And from there, we'll serve you up a customized pain prescription we call Mobility RX. The virtual mobility coach can also help you warm up and cool down when you exercise. Every day, we provide fresh pre and post workout mobilizations for more than four dozen sports and movements. Plus, on your days off, we even have a video called Daily Maintenance to help you relax and recover so you can get back 100% in record time. And best of all, right now you can try Virtual Mobility Coach free for two whole weeks. So you can check out everything it has to offer without paying a penny. Claim your free 14-day trial of Virtual Mobility Coach now. Go to thereadystate.com slash free trial. That's thereadystate.com slash free trial. And we'll see you inside. David Weck is the inventor of the BOSU Balance Trainer and founder of Weck Method. David's influence reaches millions of people across the globe. From world-class athletes to disabled individuals regaining the ability to walk, David has been helping people achieve better functional fitness for the past 30 years. Among his many inventions, David is very excited to be launching a new innovation group with the introduction of his latest invention, the Weck Deck. David's stated mission is making every step stronger for everyone. One of the things that I loved about this conversation was just hearing a little bit about the development of the BOSU ball and like what a huge deal it is. Like everybody knows what the BOSU ball is and has a BOSU ball and or has worked with a BOSU ball. And so that was one of my favorite parts of our conversation. Yeah. You know, David is, um, has undergone a transformation where he is bringing people to the table. It's really fun to be around him. He has got unusual training methods about getting people to be able to feel their bodies so they can go do their training more effectively. I think it's easy to peg someone as like the Bosa guy, and it's just one more tool, Yeah. right? Forget the fact that he's an entrepreneur, launched a business. Inventor. 20 years. The education piece, the content piece, it's a gigantic, huge ecosystem. And I'll say personally, I love a lot of his ideas. And we banter back and forth on the DMs and text a lot about ideas he has. I think it's going to be interesting when people hear this because 
it really is a message of positivity and love from David. And you might've misconstrued his passion, but he really is saying, Hey, how can we get people moving in their bodies better? And that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's a really cool message and he's really passionate and interesting. And it was a great conversation. I can't wait to go hang out with him in person and uh, see what we can get up to. Please enjoy our conversation with the amazing David Weck. Hey, Ready State listeners, if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes to help others find our show. David, welcome to the Ready State podcast. We are really excited to chat you up today. I am super excited to be here. Last night, I was just, you know, chomping at the bit. (laughs) Well, just so everyone understands, I am a user of exercise. I go on the internet. I try to understand what people are doing. I'm always looking for better ways to prime tissues, to create rotation. Doesn't sound that sexy being a user of exercise. I, I think you need to think of a better way no, to say that. No, I really, that. I'm like, I'm a collector. I'm sure there's a more sexy way, but that's, it's, it's about as sexy as that. Okay. But literally your rope work, just so everyone's clear, I use it every day. I use light ropes. I have freakishly heavy ropes. We use it in between sets, warm up sets. I've taken them on the river with me and I do it and prime my elbows before. So I just want everyone to know that I am a WEC user and I use Dave's thinking every day in my programming. Just so everyone knows. This is not. Are you just, just waiting? Are you waiting for his reaction to, yeah, to I, your I love? Just, I just want to let's set hear, it up. Let's hear it, David. Well, my reaction is that ropes are so accessible. The activity is so scalable. So people can literally do this training for free. And we have a rope flow movement that is growing all over the world. And like Philippines and Singapore, thousands of people, well, at least hundreds and hundreds of people are now congregating on a Sunday morning and doing the patterns. And if you think about a rope, it's the mindset goes right to jumping through it, right? Like that's what we do with the rope. Everybody has rope in the garage, the closet, the basement, wherever it is, there's a jump rope in every home in America, practically speaking. And when we shift the focus to the rotation with the rope and the down up patterning with that, without the burden of having to jump through, we can always jump through, but we get so many quality reps that don't beat us up on our path to being most efficient, whereby jumping the rope now you're doing it with so much more skill that you're not hurting yourself, you're only helping yourself. So I view the ropes as the Rosetta Stone of exercise modalities. You get great with the figure eights and you link the hands, you link the body, and now you are primed and prepped to assimilate essentially all other things more rapidly and go further. So I am just thrilled, Kelly, that you are using the ropes for your own personal benefit. I mean, you're only going to do what works. And I want to also give a shout out to you, Kelly, because you're the guy who basically defined that it's about the quality of the content. It's not the production value and the lighting and the set. And that was such a break from where we were to such the freedom of quality information in a dynamic, compelling, entertaining way of delivering it. And so I was hanging on every video back in the day amongst the core followers of five to 7,000 people who it's up on YouTube first day, 7,000 views. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you for that. And, cool. and let me, apo- cool to hear. let me apologize everyone for the sound quality. And also Juliet does never get a shout out because she was the internet stretching video world champion cinematographer. Yes. Yeah, cinematographer. Cinematographer. You had the world record for stretching videos on the internet for a long time. So good job, Jay. Thank you. I was horrible at that job, well, but. We're, I want to get yeah. into how you came to be and think this. There's a lot here. You know, you're an instructor, you're a teacher, you're an inventor. We want to get into how you got all that. But one of the things that this line I don't want to drop is you said something right away that is a core value to Juliet and I, which is scalability. Is and that accessibility. Accessibility, scalability. If it is not inexpensive, if I can't roll it out across, I have 40 kids in my class. Having 40 Kaiser machines is a non-starter. Having 40, you know, anything can be a non-starter. So how do I begin movement literacy? How do I begin movement quality to teach rhythm, timing, exposure? 
so much of your thinking it really does scale in that way. And the rope for me is one of those pieces. So kudos to you. That's one of the reasons I was like, oh, I mean, I have sent them to my big wave surfer paddlers who I'm like, oh, I think you guys need to do this before you go because it'll solve all your elbow problems. Well, and, and the other context in which we're such fans of the rope is actually working with kids because it's so hard to get dry land training, strength and conditioning. Youth sports have exploded, but you know, sports specific coaches in large part have no idea where what to do, where to begin. I think they know they should be doing some strength and conditioning and mobility work, but it's not their area of expertise. They're sports specific coaches. And so anytime Kelly's gone into our own kids' sports or you know, just as a volunteer, otherwise, like his first order of business is like your club should own jump ropes. There are a thousand things that you can do from with just a jump rope. And it's just an awesome tool and so accessible and scalable. I don't want to hijack the conversation and just pigeon you as the rope guy because you're definitely <laughs> not just one tool. It's like, oh, Kelly, start voodoo floss. It's not the thing. So tell us what is the WEC method? Is there a kernel of ideal into your thinking and ideology? Because you have certifications, you do teaching, you have make products. Like it's difficult to honestly to pin you down into a neat rabbit hole of like, this is who David Weck is because you're sort of so diverse in your skill set. What is the Weck method and how did you come to understanding all this? Because just everyone knows the rope is like a 1% idea. Yeah. And, and like a little bit to tack on to that question, like what's the backstory? Like what is the Weck method now and sort of what has been your trajectory to bring you to this point? So basically how I would categorize the Weck method in the simplest form is it's basically the Weck method is a both sides utilized practice. So what we want to do is we want to define the fundamental principles of movement that relate to gait, the most common functional movement that we all do. So that's the flight and related to fight, two sides of the same coin. And it keeps the training very, very honest because you can measure the time with which you can move from point to point or point to points. And then you can sort of spar around and play with, uh, you know, an opponent to gauge your capacity in that regard, which is very subjective. And both sides utilize stemmed from the name BOSU. So when I invented the BOSU ball, I was a personal trainer to make money. I was an actor as my, you know, what I was pursuing as a career. I spent seven years engaged in it. And every year I did a little bit better. I made $40,000 in my best year. I could use some acting training. No, you don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was personal training as a survival job and I rollerbladed everywhere in Manhattan for six years. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. You have no idea how excited Kelly is to hear this. Manhattan is the ultimate roller rink. It is all paved. And I got so good on these skates that I could essentially do whatever I wanted, down staircases, on a half pipe, holding on to a taxi, holding on to a bus. You know, if I'm going uptown and I've been skating all day, Manhattan is slightly uphill. You just wait for a car. You'd hold on to the hub under the back wheel and that's your go. And then back on the trunk was your brake. And you'd sort of just get down there on the side so you could see if there's a pothole. And just go for a ride. One time I got hooked on the back of a Range Rover that started going through the lights, probably about 50, 60 miles an hour. And at that speed, you can't see because the water in your eyes is going and you're praying that your bearings don't seize. And you realize that, you know, at that moment of truth in the 20 to 25 mile an hour range, you're either holding on or you're letting go. <laughs> so anyway, that all to be said that my feet from six years, and I'm a very extreme person, I would say that, you know, in the spectrum of bipolarity, I go very far in both directions. And fortunately, now I've been able to sort of mitigate the highs and the lows with the priority of work and family as my legacy. So I'm going to stay grounded and not go off into the ether. Where Hang on a second. Julia always likes to say, you don't get something for nothing. Yeah. Well, hey, Listen, I've played with fire and I've cooked with it and I've been burned with it. <laughs> Both sides. Fair point. Fair enough. Fair enough. So my feet became extremely weak. And because of that, my body could not resolve itself to the load explode equation 
because the feet couldn't do their job. So they would send the job up in the body to create compensatory tension that, you know, allowed me to deal with the fact that my feet couldn't support me. And I dropped the motorcycle, I lifted it up and I felt the twinge in my back. And then three days later, I collapsed in white hot pain, like, you know, blackout, but it was white, whatever that means. And it led to a year of chronic back pain. And I had no idea back then so much of what I understand now. And it was the stability ball that after physical therapy had run out and I was taking so many a leave that I eviscerated my internal organs and my gut. And, you know, it was just a mess. And I only do something when I absolutely have to. So I'm a procrastinator and then I get it done at the end. I think that everyone can relate to that. It's really hard to get the people to play offense on their bodies until they're losing. Yes. Or they're in so much pain or they can't do something. So there's a reason. That's exactly right. I think that's very reasonable, especially when you're, you know, you're able to go at such a clip. Yeah. I mean, I was burning the candle at both ends. I was young. And, you know, so I was acting and doing that life, waking up at five in the morning to go train people. And that back pain led me to the stability ball. And then I saw Paul Check standing on the ball. This is a photograph in 19. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, this was a photograph on a green stability ball with his white shoes. I mean, like, I remember it. And that gave me that, oh, well, I'll try that. So I used my pull-up bar and sort of, you know, position myself. And I became familiar with it. And by virtue of being on that ball with the center line force, like the body really needs to understand center line and like the hands will come center and then spread if you go the natural path. And the feet, there's this central force on a ball. And then the just the intrinsic muscles of the feet are constantly getting this like little bit of adjustment. You're using too much tension, but it's a strength training until you can coordinate it and pare it down. And my back started to get better. And it was like, oh, my gosh. And I had a 200 square foot apartment in Manhattan that had seven stability balls in it. <laughs> I would have to put them in the loft in the day and take them down in the night because there was so many. And one night I was standing on the 75 centimeter ball and I was doing a Feldenkrais inspired exercise. And for the listeners out there, Feldenkrais is a somatic education that is basically uh, the preface is minimize your efforts so that you can discern the finest gradations of force so that you can learn efficiency down here and then pull that efficiency through to higher function. And so I was on the ball, closing my eyes, tilting my head back, and I fell off violently, did a backflip, started kicking my feet to make sure I could still do that. And then in my dilemma of, oh, I can't do this anymore, I'm gonna break my neck, I thought, what if I cut the ball in half? And a nanosecond later, I recognized like, oh my gosh, this is, this is my thing. Like, it was the internet days, the dot-com, you know, everybody was rich. All your friends were now day traders. And I just saw like dollar signs. I'm like, this thing is going to be so useful. It's going to be around the world and it's never going to go away. I like evergreen stuff. I don't like blip and then gone. I like something that's going to keep going. And so I just stopped everything. I quit acting and I went into it. And when I invented it, we came up with the name both sides utilized to describe, you know, dome up and platform up. And then through training and learning, and I met a man named Dean Brittenham, who his son was the New York Knicks strength coach. And I flew out to San Diego. I trained with Dean and he did so much of this ambidexterity training and the whole brain thinking. He was really into that. And so what I did was I used that philosophy to change the name BOSU to both sides utilized. And I invented a bola trainer, which is an elastic band with two balls at the end of it that I would fling and catch and move very, very rapidly. And, and then I would twirl it. And that was my introduction to the both side utilized hand action. And then I worked with a staff where you get the precise, you know, hand action. And then it was the rope. I met Buddy Lee in 2004. Buddy Lee is one of the greatest jump ropers ever inspirational man. Amazing. Yeah. I have jump roped with Buddy Lee. Yeah. We had Buddy Lee at our gym in probably 2005 or six. Like we met him early on too. He's amazing. 
Yeah, amazing. And I pay very close attention to movement because my athletic inadequacy is my superpower because it, it, for, it forces me to do things that up the capacity of the genetics. So say we all. That's right. Well, I mean, the ones who end up getting very, very smart at what they're doing generally have to overcome some inadequacy to, you know, to be the motivation, as you said earlier. And Buddy Lee, what I noticed was that there were a lot of times the rope went around and then, you know, the jump, the jump, the jump around. And so what I did, he gave me one of his speed ropes and I brought it home. And the night I got off the plane, we're talking, you know, 10, 30, 11 at night in my backyard in San Diego, I began my process to be just as good as Buddy Lee. And I recognized immediately that if I spend my time jumping through this thing, I'm not learning the sweet stuff and I'm just getting tired and beat up. And the number of reps that I have to engage in now are going to be far more than if I jump, then I'm not doing the target that I want. That was the rope flow invention, as it were. And I had studied martial arts in Manhattan as a 26-year-old, and the instruction was terrible. And you have no reference of where you position and transition your body. And the instructor's not giving you a good reference because he doesn't know either. And with the rope and the staff and these tools, the objects, the fundamental objects, sticks, stones, and ropes, when you manipulate them, suddenly your body like learns, oh, that's where the position of strength is. And oh, that's where it is. And so I recognized that I could increase my martial capacity night and day by doing the rope. So I invested so heavily in it. And I basically figured out what you, any human being tasked with doing everything you can with the rope without jumping would find exactly what I found. There's four fundamental patterns under, over, sideways, and a sneak where the back hand's pronating. And that's essentially all you can do. Everything derives from that. And what it did for my body was it upped my game to the point where if I were playing Division Three football again, I could probably play football in Division Three right now more effectively than I played when I was stronger and younger. I believe that wholeheartedly. And I would also say that I had the same conversation with Juliet. And I was yeah. like, after the first practice, I would be crippled and yeah, he, sore. Kelly would have torn his hamstring off. But he would, yeah, there would I would destroy my former self because I'm just much more effective, and efficient old man mover. Strength. I have old man's um, Okay. So, David, I just have to A, shout out and I have to bring it back. I know we moved on to the rope again, but I have to acknowledge that. I can't say more emphatically, like you invented the BOSU ball and everybody, I mean, it seems like whether you are into aerobics or CrossFit or, I mean, it doesn't really matter what exercise modality you're into, you know, everybody knows what a BOSU ball is. There is one in literally every gym in America. And I guess what I'm wondering is a, first of all, kudos for that, because it really is like ubiquitous. It's like Kleenex. And because this is where my mind goes, like from a business side, was that a successful business for you? And is it, does it continue to be like, has it, you know, does everyone already have one? So no one's buying in one anymore, or is it still a thing? What's going on with the BOSU ball from a business standpoint? Great question. So I recognized immediately that this thing had potential to be a thing, right? That was here and here to stay. So I was fortunate to have angel investment where I had money now to run and gun, you know, fly to Park City to meet the ski team, fly to San Diego, do all the things necessary to promote this thing. And I built handmade prototypes in the beginning to get it off the ground, prove concept before I had, you know, the molded ones. And, you know, at the 11th hour, when you're about to spend $165,000 to cut a big tool, it's measure like 10 times cut at once because, you know, as a, as a small business, you can shoot yourself in the foot very easily and you can't run out of money. Otherwise you're done. And what I did by doing that, I put myself into a very strong negotiating position when I started exploring the licensing of the product, because I had that ambivalence of, Hey, if we signed the contract you handed me, well, then we ain't doing business, but we're going to tear that one up. We're going to write this thing from scratch. That's level right? and gives me the full ownership that's unequivocal. So you are licensing. Nothing that you do gives you any ownership whatsoever. So if you invent an accoutrement, that's mine, right? So I set up great terms and I've been licensing it since the end of, 
maybe the end of 2001, I think, the license, and I invented it in 99, so two years of promotion. Then I stayed with the project to promote it for many years. You know, the Carnival Barker on the tour half the weekends out of the year at all the trade shows. And it has provided me an income that allows me to basically operate without restriction. And the check is in the mail. And I've had that now for, you know, 20 years plus. Generally speaking, every single year has been better than the year before. So we're still growing. It's amazing. That's so cool. 2008, it took a slight decline. Coming up, we may experience a slight decline, but the demand is still there. And the BOSU ball suffered from success in that there was a contingent in the fitness industry who really used it as the punching bag to express their distaste for instability training. It was around the 2007 era when the narrative in the mainstream fitness, you know, NSCA official was that the core for all activities, you had to brace the core super stiff and neutral. And that was what you had to do. And if you used an unstable surface, you were getting weaker. And because of that sort of thought leader and the official narrative that stems from that environment, we have tens of thousands of coaches who many of whom will campaign, go out of their way to post something negative about the BOSU ball. And for me, I'm a kid from Jersey with a chip on my shoulder, and I stayed silent for like a decade, more than a decade, because I was just going to throw fire or gas on that fire. But then I invented all this other stuff and like head over foot understanding and propulsors, which are, I mean, it's just an unbelievable discovery. And... I'm seen as this joke, this guy with a gadget, a charlatan, and you know, and they have the scientific evidence to prove that I am this guy. So I got a little belligerent and you know, throwing poop bombs because of frustration. And it's like, just please listen, just give me my day to just present what I believe to be is better function, right? And I've learned since then that you get a lot more attraction with the honey than the vinegar. And you, Kelly, are a model for how one should conduct themselves in this industry where we are free to disagree, but that doesn't mean that we have to hate each other and it doesn't have to mean that we're disrespectful. And I think, you know, lack of maturity, drive to, to, to you know, contribute and all these things led me off a track that now I've fortunately found back on the track but the BOSU ball afforded me the opportunity to, you know, study personally with Feldenkrais's first students, Rolf's first students. I went to China. I studied with uh, William C.C. Cheng and Tai Chi privately. So I had resource. I flew to China twice. So I have had a blessing of my effort all funded from the success of the BOSU ball. And even this big gym that I have, I mean, this is, it's not even a gym, it's a laboratory. And I pay for the privilege to have this massive space that's so cool because it begets greater success as we go. And I'm a long-term guy. I just want to say congratulations. I mean, that is so cool. And for those who don't know, I mean, it is a Herculean effort to do what you did. And 100%, like if we just stopped there, we should be able to talk about you as a business success, about education. I mean, it's really, I'm like, oh, you have a cute internet you know, site on Instagram. That is not the same thing as running a business, developing business, distribution, manufacturing, education. It's yeah. really remarkable. Yeah. So my question is, it's sort of twofold um, and there's a, a story intermixed, but do you now have to spend like half your life defending your BOSU ball patent? <laughs> Are there 5,000 knockoffs? And the reason I ask that is, as you know, we developed with Rogue Fitness a ball called the Supernova. And, you know, we totally understand. I mean, I think that thing was, you know, $85,000 for the tooling, you know, when, when it first came out back in 2011. I don't think people really realize that. But recently, some, you know, Chinese manufacturer reached out to us and offered us a knockoff of our own product. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we were like, wow, this is the world we're in now. Like we have a product and we're being directly offered a knockoff of our own product to be made for way cheaper than our current product. So I don't know if you could just talk a little bit about like that whole universe when it comes to products and product development and the crazy world we're in now with Amazon and manufacturing. 
it's the inventor's dilemma where you want to get your invention out to as many people as possible, but you also want to reap reward from that and not get it swept out from under you. Right. So the guy who invented the socket said it's Sears. Well, you know, <laughs> he had to wait 30 years to get his nominal little pittance because they kind of screwed him. So with the BOSU ball, well, and to any would-be inventor or businessman who's going to offer something new in the marketplace, if you're not being knocked off, you are not successful. So if there's Coke, there's Pepsi, okay? It's just the void of if there's success, you will attract others toward that success. And there are probably, you know, 500 knockoffs of the BOSU ball. But fortunately, the BOSU ball is, it's a little bit of a trick to make it quality, so if you're trying to undercut on price, you have a device that doesn't have the same properties. So it's an exercise in frustration. If you're on a cheap one, that's an advantage for us. And we're the Kleenex. So you could look at it from a perspective of, well, if the entire marketplace for BOSU balls grows and we represent the sort of the brand and the lion's share of that, perhaps we're selling more and they're selling more. And I will say that I have spent I'm going to say millions of dollars in legal bills through the years, having to defend myself in court from the person who fell off the platform side. And then the greedy lawyer who says, well, that's I'm suing you personally. I'm suing the BOSU ball, even though like the BOSU ball didn't misfunction. <laughs> the personal trainer put her on that and she fell off. And now I'm guilty. Like if the chef teaches you how to use the knife and you cut your finger, like do you sue the knife? The answer is yes, in America. <laughs> and then patent infringement. We did a massive patent infringement at the beginning because at the beginning- You have to defend your claim. If they knock you off in the beginning, then they can be perceived the market leader. If they knock you off later, you're already established. So you have more weight in it. But it's something that's very real. You fear it, but you sort of have to understand that it comes with the territory. And so it's a, it's a balancing act. And what I tell would-be business people, and especially in this industry, is a dollar is a dollar is a dollar. I don't care what you account for that dollar. How many dollars do I have at the end of the day? <laughs> How many did I spend? And it better be black, not red. Otherwise, the music stops and you go do something else. One of the things that I don't think people understand about the BOSU is that a lot of people have a single idea and it's a gimmick to solve one problem. It's a single idea instead of part of a schema. I think people understand the ready state is actually the, our core IP is understanding and trying to simplify complex human movement from looking at all of the actions of the spine and then trying to restore what is it your spine should be able to do? What is it your hips and shoulders should be able to do? understanding that these things are relationships and connected and that it's not just this rigid pole of a spine connected to the shoulders. And then how can you explain what you're seeing and why we coach the way we coach? How do you predict movement compensation and future movement phenomenon and how you communicate that? That's what we do. So anything that we run runs that filter about how the model is a digesting a complex problem. Someone's got a movement problem. How can we understand what we're seeing? One of the things that I really appreciate about your thinking is that the BOSU, for example, is just a component. It's just a tool to come back to this iterative idea of this is your perception of the problems you're trying to solve. And then suddenly I look at the club and I'm like, okay, the club is the same idea. How can you solve this sets of problems? I look at the rope and I'm like, oh, here's another tool in that's even more scalable, less expensive, easy to do that allows you to access that. When did you start to recognize sort of this both sides up that the method was really an integrated whole and that you were still just grabbing tools? It's not just the rope. It's not just this. It's, it's trying to help people understand from the feet up. This is how you can locomote more effectively. Yeah. Well, what I would say is that I've been saying the same thing essentially for, tw <laughs> for, for 20 years, but it's like this. When I first said it, it's 30,000 feet up. So you don't have the granular focus. And then when I next said it, now I'm only 10,000 feet. And then when I next said it, and now I'm like in a magnifying glass looking, you know, it, microscopically, I'm getting the resolution of like, oh, okay, like the way that we have broken down our system is basically it revolves around three 
core qualities or four training uh, categories. And it's the coiling core on one side to optimize the length and strength of the long side and spring coil to the strongest position on one side. So that's going to be a home base position where I can hold, I could hold 700 pounds in this posture because it's just wedged into my bones. So we learned that on both sides. Then we use bilateral torsion. And we're going to get geeky for just a second here. The Wolfian Ridge. I learned about this from Philip Beach in his Muscles and Meridians book that I read back in, geez, 2008. I can't remember. Radial contractile field. You're speaking my language. Exactly. Well, yeah, there you go. You see, that's why we're speaking. And the Wolfian Ridge, if you think about like that is the fundamental division that your DNA uses to set up the body and define what's front and what's back right? What's ventral and what's dorsal, if we want to get geeky. And this internal and external torsion, we sort of say, okay, well, the flexion extension is contained within that, but the torsion is a better understanding of it. And we're able to now put those two things together to create rotational movement training, like the rope, for example, where by virtue of breaking it down, we can take any exercise and then start to categorize which one is this. And then what we like is we like a four to one relationship of four rotationals to one bilateral. And so that we're really emphasizing the rotation. And by virtue of getting deepest into your coil, now when you go bilaterally, you get those extra little millimeters that matter where, you know, suddenly your squat went up 40 pounds because of the millimeters that matter. You've wedged yourself in a better position. I don't know if I, I don't want to cut you off, but one of the things that if you go to the WEC method and look at the training, you're teaching your methods and methodology. And one of the things that I see that people really struggle with is it's a, what we call the around here, the kluge effect. I have this core software. I need to get stronger. I need to become fitter. I need to be a better mover. And then people just add on tools and tools and tools and tools, and then you just run out of time. And then you just left the tools that you learned two months ago behind because you're this and there's a new shiny tool and it's popular on the internet. So what you end up having is this really disconjointed, disparate, disconnected system where you can't tell if you're making progress. You're just doing a lot of novelty. And more importantly, we believe strongly that whatever it is you're doing you should be able to drop into someone else's world and thrive there. And then you can really start to make the best decisions about, well, are my jumping higher? Am I running faster? Am I moving more load? Like the objective measures are the only thing that matters. Am I better at my sport? Well, sometimes it's hard to measure if you're better at soccer, right? Unless you're getting goals. But we can see is, hey, I was able to play more soccer. It's easier to have these objective measures. I was able to bench more. And one of the things that I want to just give you kudos for is that you never tell people how to train. And one of the things that I've been able to do with your materials and thinking is that I use it as warm up. I use it as priming. I use it as a way to get to know my body again today. I'm a 49-year-old guy with a history of some real significant trauma that I had wiping out and going fast. You know, I may or may not have held on to a ski cab going 50 miles an hour, just happened to be on skis, going, <laughs> wiping out. So, you know, my ego has definitely done some things. And the reason your thinking has still remained germane for me and relevant is that it makes me better at the things that I still value. And I don't have to give up the things I value to play, toy, experience. In fact, I find it to be really wonderful. One of our neighbors grabs, we have an eight pound rope and he'll do a hard minute piece he'll spin the eight pound rope for a minute and then he'll do a strength piece. And so he's getting all of this in, keeping his heart rate high, having this exposure, feeling, he loves how he feels. And you haven't said to him, you have to stop pressing overhead. You have to stop deadlifting. And on the contrary, you're saying, hey, I think that these things can give you your, your feeling back. Am I reading that the right way? You are reading that absolutely correctly. And I was super, super fortunate to meet Chris Chamberlain. So Chris Chamberlain, he is my director of programming. And our skill set complements one another perfectly. And he's one of these guys who ice runs through his veins. Like he does not care about anything, but what is the absolute best way for me to operate and just 
provide for my family and provide a service to the world. So we are agnostic toward tools. And he's the one who taught me never bash a tool, never bash any tool, because it's the carpenter who's going to define what that tool could create. And if you're worth your salt, you should be able to help somebody improve their movement with just body weight alone. Right. So there's no tool. And so making the most of a tool is a better approach than just saying like, oh, that's a piece of garbage. Like I would never, even if you would never, it's not productive to do that type of assessment because it's how you wield the tool. And we want to be a foundation. I said long ago, when I first invented the BOSU ball, I said, I want to be the world's foremost authority on balance measured by locomotion. That's the anchor. That's the objective reality that we're going to anchor it to. Because balance is just coordination. That's all it is. It's where and when absolutely appropriate so that it feels easy, relatively speaking. There's no compensatory tension or effort because everything's aligned and working toward the goal. And so we want to empower people who do things that might beat up your body, right? I mean, we're human beings. You listen to Kador Ziani, Ben Patrick's mentor. I mean, it's like dunk or die. And it's just this passion to be a human being and express yourself. And you could make an argument that football is not good for you, right? I mean, you're banging all the time. People get hurt all the time, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and it reflects benefit in your life from discipline and camaraderie and all these things. If I could just switch gears a little bit, you are a man who wears many hats. I think it's safe to say, but one of them is obviously inventor. And so I want to go back to, I don't know, as far as your childhood or wherever, have you always been an inventor and have, and then the second part of that question is, have you ever, ever had any failed inventions or duds? <laughs> yes. What I would say is I've always been a type A personality who needs to succeed to be happy. So and I just accept that. Like, I just will not accept losing. And if I'm losing, well, then I'll go find something where I can win. <laughs> because <laughs> like, I just can't, what I would call myself as an altruistic narcissist. I'm very self-centered. I'm very, very grandiose. I've lost my mind four times. I've gone out into the ether. So while I wasn't always an inventor, I was always inventive and always willing to do whatever it took to improve and then coming up with better methods. Like I delivered newspapers when I was 12 and I figured out how to, you know, put the whole Sunday stack on a bicycle, for example, so I didn't have to go back and forth. So that was the inventiveness type of stuff. But when I invented the BOSU ball, that one set me up so that I could be an inventor moving forward because I had resources and I had time. So that's sort of, you know, very conducive to inventing. But I have had duds that went nowhere. I've had duds where it's not worth the effort to keep selling it because the turn on inventory was too slow. I believe that some of my duds will see the light of day once the other ones pave the path. But I remember creating one that I called a bend and flex. And so I took a big garage door spring and I put duct tape all over one end and then I fastened on weight plates to the other end. And it was like you would push and pull and create this like boom, boom, boom. And I loved it. <laughs> and it was just like, like you can get that, like just that feeling of satisfaction of it's like, boom, so much power. That didn't go anywhere. <laughs> just to develop it would have been a lot of money, you know, to take it from the Elon Musk says the prototype is easy. It's the production that's hard. So I've been an inventor and I think I'm a better inventor now. And I've got a team of creative people around me now that where we can bat back and forth the ideas and really get to something. What I would say is that the propulsors, when I discovered that by effectively eliminating or reducing to the point where you've essentially eliminated inertia with a weight that I derived from my RMT club invention that came before, the double down action where you're sending 12 ounces of force, that's all there's in the pulser, down faster than gravity so the weight's at the top. And now when you stop, there is nothing preventing you from stopping on a dime. And then a fraction of a second later, you get this boom, this pulse hit that we've calculated. We don't know for sure, but we've calculated that 12 ounces 
turns into 40 pounds for a microsecond and then disappears, bounces back up. And we can literally traverse a hill or a staircase faster with these weights in your hand performing this technique than without. We've done it with hundreds of athletes. We've never failed because they're highly motivated when they're coming to us. But that's an invention that if it had been invented before, we'd all already be doing. Let me jump in and say for everyone how this works is fundamentally, it allows you to create a higher ground force reaction. This is just my interpretation of it. It teaches my body how to organize and sequence so that when my foot hits the ground, I have peak stiffness and change in direction quickly. So I'm not spending a lot of time dissipating on the ground. Then when I put the pulsers down, when I run, it's not an arm swing. I need to have access to my arm range of motion. If I don't have shoulder extension, I'm going to be running across my body like an elbow and like in a, in a line. But what this ends up doing is it corrects the idea of how your lats and how the movement happens. Am I reading this correctly? Because when people understand that, then all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is a way that helps me feel in a way where I can create better, higher forces and integrate my system. When I even was like, okay, well, what's that look like when I run long distance? Well, we were teaching people per Brian McKenzie and some of those crew, we would organize the hand into a better position where we had stiffness and better. We didn't just weren't floppy, right? I know you, you obsess on hand position, but by moving the hands higher up, we had this tighter control at a slower range where we weren't doing these ridiculous loping arm swings. We were actually able to get this pulse happening in this running and like long distance running position versus sort of some of the loping. So I just want to give you full credit. As soon as I saw those, I was like, I understand. And then you were like, hey, Kel, let me send you some. Let me know what you think. And I was like, this is smart. What happened was in 2010, I discovered this core fist position. I had gone to Chinese medical school. I was studying the martial internal Chinese arts. And this is just simply bone alignment according to a martial principle called triangulation. So circles are useful because they deflect and guard and triangles penetrate. And a triangle can't be penetrated. So if I'm here, that joint will fail if I compress into it. But if I straighten that and triangulate it, now it's bone that's longitudinal axis. You can hold so much force. And when I felt that, that's when I felt like I can hit down with these things to give me that explosion that makes it easier because it's connective tissue. I'm investing in a jolt of force that goes connective as opposed to a pushing muscle force that's elongation and contraction. So the muscle becomes more of this hydraulic pressure medium that now, boom, sends force through the fascial network that encases it all. And, oh, God, I talked to Philip Beach a bunch back in those days. Philip Beach would be so proud right now. And because I had studied the Chinese meridian, so I had you know knowledge of that. And... It's amazing how the Eastern philosophy and that stuff and the Western quantum math is the principle of uncertainty that we don't know if it's here or there. Your vessel, if you cover one eye, you don't know if it's here or there. <laughs> it's the same thing, yin and yang, the Tao, quantum math, no matter which way, it is what it is. And so as soon as I felt that, I saw Deion Sanders in my mind's eye. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's how he does it. And then suddenly it's like your dad bought a new car when you were a kid and suddenly you saw that brand everywhere. It was always there, but you didn't notice it. So then I've done probably more slow motion video analysis than anybody on the planet. Like I was doing it back when it was a real hassle. <laughs> you, you know, like you didn't have- VHS tapes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, literally I was doing it back because I play football and the way that I excelled in football was I studied film. So if I've studied what your team has done for the past 10 years, because I've invested 20 hours during the week, on Saturday, I'm going to pick up cues that I want to know what play you're running. <laughs> that gives me a huge advantage for this athletic inadequacy that if I have to react, I'm going to get beat. But if I know, I'm not. David, you know, Juliet and I described the current world as sort of, I'm going to swear everyone, trigger warning, peak internet fitness shittiness. That's how I thought. Oh God. Yes. Yes. And where do you think 
the common misperceptions. We never show th- throw shade at anyone. We don't punch down. But what are we getting? What are we misinterpreting as we're trying to help people live better, fulfill, more fulfilled, pain-free lives as a fitness industry? Because Juliet and I look around and we're like, well, do we have less pain? Are we less fat? Are we less diabetic? Are we less depressed? Do we have fewer injuries? And not a single one of those can be answered in the affirmative. It's like we have this machine that is purporting to do a whole lot of things, but our objective measures on the other end really aren't, except for this really extreme vertical. Yeah. And if I could just add to that, I mean, I think my critique is that we are making people in our own vertical better. Um, So those would be people who are athletes and trainers and physical therapists and who have access to devices and tools and things. But we are getting an F when it comes to solving these bigger problems. Transforming society. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We live in a time where specialization, you know, the parent who has the resources to give them, you know, the best coaching from two years old, you know, he's playing baseball, hockey, tennis, she's doing whatever they're getting better than ever before, whilst the masses are just forgotten. And what I see in this, I mean, here's what I want to say. I think we reduce it down to its absolute most simplest form. And I think we relate to gate optimally as an industry. And I think to do that is going to require conversation because right now, The scientific community that relies on peer review and anecdote just don't fly. They are teaching and basically saying this is the official correct that the core doesn't spinal engines wrong. It's pedestrian theory, the core, you know, you're carrying it and it needs to be stiff embraced. And that is the narrative right now. And a lot of this is personal. A lot of it is very personal and your honorable is a model for me. This We're not going to cast shade at people because I've cast shade at people and I, it doesn't work and it's not productive. We want to elevate everybody. And so what I see is, Kelly, you defined way back for me that physical education should be familial, right? You should just observe the way your parents and your grandparents move and you don't even need to say a word because you just mirror neuron what you see and they're doing it well too which is not happening now. And when I was a kid, I, you know, break a bone or pull a muscle. Oh, well, the doctor can't see it today, but you know, two days, Wednesday, he can see you. And so you just wait, (laughs) you don't take some floss and make it go away. You wait. (laughs) And then he tells you to take an aspirin and call me in the morning. (laughs) And like, you're completely helpless as a human being. No, your parents should say, Oh, you twist your ankle here. Dick Hartzell, boom, boom, boom. Get back in there and have fun. That's what I believe we can do. But I believe that gate walking every step stronger for everyone. Knowledge is power. If you put your head over your foot and you put your head over your foot, you are landing in balance. And the textbooks today say that walking is a series of controlled falls. When I was studying Feldenkrais, he would talk about slow quality movement is reversible. You can stop mid-motion because you're in balance. Most people can't stop mid-motion and walking. And back when I was studying Feldenkrais, I was like, well, walking ain't part of it because I can't stop mid-cycle. But if you walk with just a little bit of swag, just a little bit to get the head over the foot, you now have balance and that will permeate through everything you do, including mentally and emotionally, you'll be stronger. And I view what's happening in the world right now is extremely perilous. I was born free with liberty and I'm going to die free with liberty. So I will never succumb to what is happening right now. And I want people to be autonomous creators for God's glory. And I believe that physical education is fundamental. And I believe that you, Kelly Starrett, Keystone Kelly Starrett, If there ever was a time in the fitness industry where everything is set up to have a keystone drop in and be the voice of reason who he cast shade on nobody. Okay, that's the man who is the keystone because you can relate to this group and you can relate to that group and they hate each other. They're never going to figure it out. The Montagues and the Capulets. I mean, this is just, you know, it's a battle. And we can cut through all the nonsense. We can come to 
Whatever the consensus may be, I happen to know balance because I can feel balance. I can do balance. And at 52, I have elite level movement, like literally world-class movement in a division three football body, which is fun as can be because it's like having that. It's like those kids who get the little Toyota thing and soup it up <laughs> and then they drive to the beach real fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of the things that Juliet and I really feel strongly about is, you know, we feel like things have to be able to scale from children all the way up. I need to be able to see your work with kids and the tools and skills. And I need to see how those integrate all the way up to the Olympics and to the hundred meter dash. I mean, I want to see a continue. And if there's an interruption there, that there's a problem in the thinking. Another thing that Juliet and I are really thinking about is what does it mean to be durable? We're both approaching 50 this year and, you know, we are playing a game of saying, hey, you can't just burn it from both ends and in the middle and, you know, get on the Smith machine and squat your brains out and do this thing and be rigid because that doesn't allow you to solve problems. We just got off a six day river trip where, man, the amount of caring and unilateral loading and uneven Balance surfaces and, and yeah. like, holy yeah. moly, we were talking about like, come through a day of living with us on the river and let us know how your fitness is preparing you for that. You know, so what I love is that all of your thinking is appropriate at all levels. I work with my daughters with this stuff and I can see that my mother-in-law loves to spin the ropes and work on her balance and timing and sequencing. So I'm going to move that into a question, David, and that is that in addition to inventing a lot of cool products that we are users of and fans of, you also have a whole educational platform. And I think that's how I'd like to sort of, you know, wrap this up is where can people learn and what's available? Our I'm staff sure, at our sure, old gym yeah. have come out and trained with you. Yeah. That's we, available. Yeah. So where can people learn how to do your stuff? WECmethod.com has an unbelievably fantastic online course called the Rotational Movement Training Specialist. And what it is, is we are very self-critical. Every single session that we deliver, a certification, a workshop, whatever, we always finish it up and come back to it the next day with what can we do better? Like, how can we hone this so people get it faster and get it deeper in the time that we're afforded? And we have really hit our stride in that regard. With the video submissions that we get from the people who did the online course are better at the movements than the people who did it in person from the beginning. All right, so that's just to give you an idea of the level of education. We do live education as well. We give out a ton on YouTube and WEC Method for free. Because, and Kelly, you're again, you gave everything away for free. I mean, you would not have to buy any of your books if you watched every single YouTube video. It's one of those pictures, if you step back, it's a sailboat. You know, you just have to be smart enough to be able to see the whole thing. <laughs> well, and enough time, so it's much more convenient to buy the book or the training. So that's what I would say about for our training. I want to scale the behavior that is balanced. And I think it's positive peer pressure that works the best, given the circumstances that people do dislike each other and they do throw poop bombs. And that is the norm. It's not the anomaly. And it would be nice to flip it so that the scientists can understand that it's balanced, right? And SMU University, they're the top biomechanics for gait in the world. They have 3D data that they have only analyzed from the side that I just happened to catch a clip and it's on the front page of their website where it's 3D analysis and it's an optical illusion. The head appears perfectly straight and still. And then they loop to the front and in their own 3D data, the runner who's a world-class runner is doing this here, right? And if you watch the majority, it's like an overwhelming majority is doing this. And so if we can get the science guys to encourage them, let's, we're the art guys out on the periphery, on the forward edge, and we're going to give you stuff to study, right? And now you study it and tell us what we can do and have this collaboration. Keystone Kelly Sturette, let this be the beginning of conversation. <laughs> Dave, I cannot wait to hang out with you in person. I have so many deep inside nerd questions that uh, Juliet and Lisa were like, you just can't go there. You can't go there on this podcast. So I can't wait to be in person with you. Thank you so much for putting so much good stuff into the world. I love your vibe. I watch everything that you put up. I try to understand it and grok it. You are at the at David Weck on the socials and the Weck method. Is that right? Yes, it's a Weck method and then the David Weck. And I would follow 
Chris Chamberlain, which is at underscore Christopher dot Chamberlain <laughs> underscore. <laughs> and he is unbelievable. And Weck Method would not be what it is without Chris Chamberlain. Fantastic. <laughs> we'll put that in the notes. <laughs> it takes awesome. a team. Thank you so much, Dave, David. You're, you're the so man. grateful Thank you so for you much, being man. on the podcast. I enjoyed my time immensely, and I can't wait to meet you guys in person. Let's set that up. Book Deal. It. Thank you for listening to the Ready State Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, check out all our episodes here or at thereadystate.com. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes to help others find our show. Check us out and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Ready State. Until next time, cheers, everyone. You got it!